Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Back to Buckeye Talk, Doug Maurice here. Breaking down a couple things today. We'll start off with some of my thoughts on the Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban stuff. It's what everybody's talking about. We'll probably get into it more next week on the College Football Survivor Show, Well, where I'll have my co-host uh, Shahan Jeharaja offer his perspective as well. We'll do something on that. But I, I want to check in on it now, and then we'll talk about what will happen if and when the Big Ten dumps divisions and goes to a scenario where the Big Ten championship game every year is just the two best teams? And actually, it's not the two best teams. It's the teams with the two best records, which is not the same thing, which is why it matters who you play every year because scheduling matters. And so we'll talk about if the Big Ten would go to the three-five-five model the ACC has been talking about where each team has three rivals that it plays every year. What might that look like? Uh, we don't know exactly how it's going to shake out. I actually, I should have an interview next week where I can ask some very specific questions uh, to some people at Ohio State and maybe get some answers on some of this stuff or get their opinions on what might happen. So we'll talk about divisions because you guys care about it. I texted the uh, tech subscribers, get some thoughts on it. We'll go into that next. Again, for tech subscribers, you get to be part of this podcast, 614-350-3315. And again, it's just me today. I have some good people lined up for next week, and hopefully we'll be getting some people back. Um, really fun Toledo pod next week. It's, we're previewing all the teams that Ohio State plays this year. We've done Notre Dame and Arkansas State. Toledo's the week three game. Two things. One is three things. One is there's a chance Toledo's the best team in the MAC this year, and in the Ohio State's history of playing MAC teams, and they played their 27 and 0 kind of in the modern era. They usually don't get the best team in the MAC; it just hasn't lined up. So that's interesting to me. Two is uh, it's Kyle Rowland and David Briggs from the Toledo Blade, and they're just fun to hang out with and talk to. So we talk about that, and then we talk about Urban Meyer's future. And Urban Meyer started his career as a head coach in the MAC in Northwest Ohio from Bowling Green. He's not coaching right now. Will he ever coach again? And if he did, might he go back to where it all started? Just theorizing, just talking. So we'll do that next week. We'll have the interview stuff next week. We should have a pod next week where I've been talking about with the tech subscribers about starting this bracket of the best games of the century in Ohio State football, voting on the 64 best games. We'll kind of introduce that bracket a little bit. My plan is to have somebody on to talk about some of their favorite games and run through some of the great games in recent Ohio State history. But let's talk about Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. So I view college football is like uh, the jungle. And I think I've talked about this before. You go watch these nature movies. More like the rainforest, probably. Yeah, the rainforest. Not like the dead, not like the Sahara, not the plains, but the jungle. Because you can hide in the jungle because there's like a canopy and there's trees you can climb and you can sneak up on people. But you go watch these nature shows. And inevitably, when you watch a nature show about life in the jungle, you jump into the middle of the food chain. And the presentation of the documentary then casts everybody above you in the food chain who is trying to eat you, trying to eat our hero, the little, uh, you know, monkey or muskrat or rodent with, with sad eyes, whatever, whoever the star of the movie is. Everybody above you on the food chain who's trying to eat you is a villain. And everybody below you on the food chain who you are trying to eat is a victim. And the it just matters where you jump in. Because in the jungle, depending on the context, everybody is a victim and a villain. And it's the same thing in college football. Everybody that is achieving higher than you is a villain. 
and everybody who is achieving at a lower level than you is a victim. And that usually pertains to your view of cheating. Because inevitably, every school that you talk to, they are doing it the right way, and everybody who's winning more is doing it the wrong way, and and that's the reality. That's the presentation. So if you jump into the food chain at Ohio State and you look up, and there's not many teams to look up at, but you look up at Alabama, it's like, yeah, well, SEC, man, you know how they do it there. But then you look down in the Big Ten, and those are the victims of Ohio State in the Big Ten, right? And guess what? Those other schools in the Big Ten, they look up at Ohio State and say, oh, Ohio State, you know how they do it there. That's how this works. So Nick Saban has never had anybody to look up at. He has always been everybody's villain and everyone else is his victim. Texas A&M last year had the number one recruiting class in the country. So for the first time in a long time, because listen, you lose some games on the field, but they win recruiting. For the first time in a long time, Nick Saban could look up in recruiting and say, look, there's a villain. And he said Texas A&M is his villain. And he said Texas A&M bought every player in its class. And he's talking about through name, image, and likeness, which, again, is allowable currently under the NCAA system. You can promise you're not supposed to do it, but there's no enforcement. You're not supposed to use NILs as recruiting inducements, but there's no enforcement. So everybody's doing it. So Nick Saban called that out. And then Jimbo Fisher, who now is on top, Right now, he's the villain. He doesn't like being the villain because he's been the victim for a long time. Now they're number one. So then he got all fired up about things. And he said what Nick Saban says was was despicable. He said he's never talking to Nick Saban again. Nick Saban did say he tried to call Jimbo Fisher and tried to apologize. But Jimbo Fisher wouldn't pick up the big thing. And Nick Saban said he shouldn't have called anybody out by name. Good for calling people out by name because everybody else calls people out not by name. But you know who they're talking about. So good. Say what you think. I do dislike it in journalism and sports writing where, and in life, where we want people to be specific. Say what you think. Say what you believe to be the truth. Say what needs to be said. Don't hide behind things. And then as soon as they do it, everybody jumps on them. And then the person's like, well, I'm never doing that again. So Nick Saban did name names, which is fine. If that's what he thinks, fine. Name names. And then those people can fire back. I don't love the idea right now where it was like, oh, man, college football. This is what I love about college football. It's like you love fights about rules. You love fights about the lack of leadership. You love chaos. Or do you, like, love football? This is not Woody Hayes saying, and he actually didn't say it, Woody Hayes saying, why'd you go for two? Because I couldn't go for three. This is, why did you spend two million? Because I couldn't spend three million. This is off the field mumbo jumbo stuff that I don't think this is what it's about. So everybody who's like, oh, give me more of this. Isn't it great? This is May and college football. I think it's silly. I wish we could talk about football. Not this. So I get it. This is wrestling kind of stuff, except wrestling's fake. And college football shouldn't be fake. College football should be real. But so much of it is fake because there's all this stuff that everybody knows this is what's going on, but nobody can actually talk about it. Nobody actually ever does anything about it. But it's like, oh, yeah, the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I hate the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I would like college football to be like a sport with rules that people follow and the rules are enforced and players get money and fans get to see games and coaches get their money and everybody competes on a somewhat equal playing field. Certainly some schools are better than others, but the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Well, everybody knows how it is. I, 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 that's my least favorite part of this sport. It's like almost makes me not want to be around this sport sometimes and at various times over the years, but it's just ingrained in it. So now if we're reaching a point where maybe we can get a little bit rid of the wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and you pull some of the wink, wink, and a little bit of the nudge, nudge out of the spotlight, right? That's the best uh, thing to kill germs is sunlight, whatever that saying is. I think that's good. So you're going to have maybe some bumpiness here along the way, but I don't I don't think this is like the coolest thing ever. Uh, two coaches yelling at each other. I think it's silly, and I think it's reflective of the complete lack of leadership and utter chaos and it's an embarrassment that the adults in college football are so busy covering their own butts and trying to keep their own money that they nope they refuse to get together and do what's best for the good of the game and the good of the fans and the good of the players involved because i think a lot of what saban said is right the problem is 
is that Saban is sanctimonious. And nobody wants to hear the ultimate villain. Why is he the ultimate villain? Because he's on the top of the food chain. How many friends does the lion have? I guess the lion's not in the jungle. He is on the plains. Who's the person in the jungle? Who's the scariest person in the jungle? Is it? I actually don't know. Is it like a panther? Maybe a panther. Like the person that eats everybody, that guy doesn't have any friends. So then when the panther's like, hey, I, hey guys, I'm not sure I like how the jungle's working. It's sort of like, shut up. You eat everybody. And maybe one time somebody took a little swipe at you. Now you're complaining about the rules, even if the complaint is correct. Nobody wants to hear it from Saban. But yes, it's not the best thing. Having recruiting inducements controlled outside athletic departments by donors running NILs who are going to run amok. We have no reason to have any faith in anybody running a collective that they're going to take in donor money. You're going to give them money and have them pay players to come to your school. That's the solution? That's insane. That's ridiculous. Nick Saban called that out. He's right. We just don't want to hear it from him. And the other thing about Saban is, he is telling you, whatever the rules are, if there's an edge, I'm going to find it, and I'm just going to eat everybody even more, eventually. You think you're getting me now, but I'm going to win in the end. He's just like the wrong messenger for it, but I do think the message was right. But in the meantime, Texas A&M didn't break any rules, as far as we know, because maybe they did break rules, but nobody's enforcing any rules. So Texas A&M did what it had to do. But this can't be, this can't be how it is. This can't be the end game um, for college football. So let the SEC fight. I guess it's funny. I guess it's, hey, there maybe Jimbo and Nick Saban actually don't like each other. I mean, I think it's good for somebody to stand up to Nick Saban. I do think like Nick Saban, hey, I'm 70. I'll say what I think. My mom got like that. I, I love my mom. She was kind of like a shy, quiet mom for a long time. And now she has zero left to give a F anything about. And she will say it how it is. And that's a great place to be in life. So if Nick Saban's there, great. Except he's still in full villain mode. So I don't know. I mean, if again, there's just a lot of like lip smacking. Oh, man, this is cool. I just find it odd. I just find it odd. It makes me a little sad that like this is where the sport is. That there's so much chaos and such a lack of control that we have to amuse ourselves with two of the more veteran winning coaches in the game uh, yelling at each other about whether anyone's breaking the rules or not. And nobody actually knows whether they are breaking the rules or not. So good luck to the silly little SEC. But just remember, um, your view is affected by where you are in the food chain. And at the moment in college football, it's the rules of the jungle are what we're living by, which is eat or be eaten. So congrats to this amateur sport for being so on top of things. We'll take a quick break. We will come back, talk about divisions in the Big Ten. What if we lose? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Newsom next on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, Doug Maurice along with you. You can be a tech subscriber at 614-350-3315. Drop a review at Apple Podcasts. I'll always appreciate those. Read Cleveland.com slash OSU. All right. So we've had <clears throat> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wait. I have to get to count twice. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven Big Ten championship games. They have been the winners of the two divisions. Previously, the NCAA rule was if you want to have a championship game and you have more than 12 teams, you have to have two divisions and have the two division champs play off against each other. Then they made a rule that you can have it with fewer than 12 teams if you want to. So to account for the Big 12, they just make up rules to fit the individual instances. They don't have any actual parameters or thoughts about things. Which is fine because the Big 12, once they lost people and went to, lost Nebraska and lost... Uh, 
Utah and not Utah, whoever else they lost, Colorado. And they only had 10 teams. They play a, a round robin where everybody plays everybody and they have the two best teams playing the championship game. That makes sense. That makes sense. They've been doing that for a while because they wanted to have a championship game after 2014. They didn't have a championship game. And the result was both TCU and Baylor got left out. So I get that. So, but the rule was you had to have divisions, and now the NCAA just passed a rule that says we don't care. Do whatever you want. You don't have to have divisions. And the Pac-12 immediately says we're going to play the two best teams in the championship game this year. The Pac-12 is locked and ready to go. So the Pac-12 is north-south. I think maybe there's a perception that maybe the south should be better, like with USC and UCLA and the Arizona schools and Utah. But then, you know, Oregon's been pretty good, and Washington has made the college football playoff. So as soon as you have a perception on that there's an imbalance, a lot of times it switches. But this year, one of the things is USC and Utah are probably the two best teams. They were both in the South. They have a regular season game. They've now opened the possibility for USC and Utah to play again in the Pac-12 championship game. The ACC has been talking all about this. They've been talking about the 355 model. If they go to that, it sounds like they're pretty far down the road and they will go to no divisions. The Big 12 already doesn't have divisions. This opens the door for when Cincinnati and Central Florida and Houston and BYU join the Big 12. Then they can still not have divisions just like now. And then the SEC, they have their meetings coming up in a couple of weeks. It seems like they're possibly interested in this. So I do think then if everybody else does it, the Big Ten's probably going to get a, get rid of divisions. I, th- I think that's, I don't know what their thoughts are sort of on their own, but I don't know that they want to wind up being the only school, only place with divisions. Now, you think about yourself here. You know who likes divisions? The West. The West. You know who likes divisions? Northwestern. You know who likes divisions? Wisconsin. You know who doesn't like divisions? Penn State. You know who doesn't like divisions? Michigan. If you're with Ohio State in your division, you want to get rid of divisions because you think to yourself, we can be the second best team and then we'll get in the title game. If you're opposite Ohio State, you love divisions. It's like, we don't have to worry about Ohio State. We can just, even if we lose to Ohio State in the regular season, take care of business in our division, we're good to go. We're in the championship game. So I'll be curious. I don't know why it would break down if you're voting only on what is best for you. If you're Nebraska and you're Scott Frost and what's the new AD, Trent McDermott, Trey, Trev Alberts. If you're Trev Alberts and you're like envisioning the new future of Nebraska football and you're thinking to yourself, well, if we want to make a championship game, we have to be better than at least one we, of, of Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. We have to be better than three of them to get in a championship game. Right now, we don't have to be better than any of them to get in a championship game. We don't have to be better than any of them. So that's going to be interesting how the vote would shake out. But I just think in the end, they'll, they'll probably wind up with no division. So that would be 14 teams. However they figure out the schedule, you have to keep some rivalries. There are enough, even if it's only one rivalry, maybe you go 1-6-6, right? And it's you have one rival that you play every year and everybody else rotates. I don't think that's terrible, but you've got to keep – there's no world in which Ohio State and Michigan don't play every year. That's a guarantee. Indiana and Purdue have to play every year. I think some mix of probably it'd be Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota, Wisconsin. They have to play every year. Illinois and Northwestern, they have to play every year. You'd make up some rivalry game, whether you pair Michigan State and Penn State, and then you pair Rutgers and Maryland or whatever. They'd figure it out. They would play every year. But you're going to keep Ohio State, Michigan at the very least. One rivalry game at the very least. So if you did this, let's look in the in the, in the history books. Levin. Big 10 championship games, how many would have changed based on the record? And again, the when you change, when you get away from divisions, you change the records because you change the schedule, because you change who's playing who. So we have to keep that in mind. When we go backwards, we can only go backwards uh, for what actually happened. 2011, Michigan State, Wisconsin, that would stay the same. 2012, Nebraska-Wisconsin Big Ten Championship game. Wisconsin that year only made it because Ohio State and Penn State were both banned from the, the postseason. So Wisconsin was the, had the fifth best record, but they had the 
third best record in the division where Ohio State and Penn State were banned, that would have been Nebraska-Michigan. So instead of Nebraska-Wisconsin, it's Nebraska-Michigan. 2013, Michigan State-Ohio State stays the same. 2014, Ohio State-Wisconsin stays the same. 2015, Iowa-Michigan State. You think, oh, that Ohio State team, that one loss Ohio State team. Listen, Iowa and Michigan State were both undefeated in the Big Ten. They would have made it. No Ohio State. Even as good as 2015 Ohio State was, they're still not in under this scenario. So that stays the same. 2016. So 2016, we remember this great game. Ohio State-Michigan play that great game at the end of the regular season, double overtime. We wind up with a Big Ten championship game because Penn State had beaten Ohio State in a great game earlier. It's Penn State-Wisconsin. It would now be Penn State-Ohio State. So you would get a Penn State-Ohio State rematch. One of the things conferences want to do is they think it increases their chances of making the playoff if they have the two best teams in the championship game. I'm not so sure about that. I'll talk that about that a little bit later. You would have gotten this Penn State-Ohio State rematch in 2016. As it worked out, Penn State won the Big Ten and did not make the playoff. Ohio State, which did not even make the championship game, did make the playoff. So if you're an Ohio State fan, and you guys listening are, would you have wanted Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game that year? They got in without going. So all they could have done is have lost to the team that already beat them. Now, Penn State, considering that it got in and won and still didn't make it, I guess Penn State, knowing that, Would they want a second shot at Ohio State? All right, we'll beat Ohio State a second time and that'll get us in? Or what if they play Ohio State a second time and they lose again and now they don't even get to go to the Rose Bowl? It sort of wipes out their initial win. Now you split. I'm not so sure that this is better. I don't know that it's a better outcome that you get Penn State, Ohio State again. I don't know who's clamoring for it because Ohio State still got in the, the playoff. 2017, Ohio State-Wisconsin, that would stay the same. 2018, Ohio State-Northwestern would now be Ohio State-Michigan because Michigan and Northwestern had the same record that year, but Michigan had a head-to-head win over Northwestern. So then what's the result? Instead of getting Ohio State-Northwestern, which actually is an okay game for a little bit, you get an Ohio State-Michigan Big Ten Championship game rematch. It would have been the first time it ever happened. It would have been the first Ohio State-Michigan Big Ten championship game between those two rivals after Ohio State blew the doors off Michigan and dropped 60-plus on them. Like, is that what we want? Is that what we're clamoring for? I don't know. 2019, Ohio State-Wisconsin would stay the same. Wisconsin was a 7-2 and team. That's the same record as Penn State and Minnesota. But you look at the head-to-heads as they worked out. Minnesota beat Penn State head-to-head. Wisconsin beat Minnesota head-to-head. Wisconsin and Penn State didn't play. I'm assuming however the tiebreakers work, Wisconsin would have stayed in there. So that would have stayed the same in 2019. 2020, Ohio State, Northwestern. I know people think like, ah, Northwestern's never going to get in. That would have stayed the same. That would have stayed the same. Indiana had the same record as Northwestern, but there's no tiebreaker there. So I don't know. But Ohio State, Northwestern would have stayed the same. And then 2021, Michigan, Iowa, Instead, would have been Michigan-Ohio State. So in this scenario, we would have gotten two Ohio State-Michigan Big Ten Championship games. Now, for Ohio State, 2021 is the example of why Ohio State would want this. Because Ohio State loses on the road, outside, and then comes back the next week and says, we get a second shot at Michigan. And now the it's almost like the first game doesn't matter. Because now you're in a scenario where both teams made the Big Ten Championship game and the winner's in the playoff and the loser's not. So, is that better for the league? Ohio State-Michigan kind of was the championship game. So that's the thing I think we don't take into account sometimes when you don't have the two best teams play in a championship game. The reason that happens is because the two best teams are in the same division. They cannot play in the championship game. What then actually happens is you play the championship game during the regular season. It's not that you don't get to play it. You just play it early without a Dr. Pepper logo and without a primetime start. You play it during the year. So, If you're worried about, oh, these two teams don't get to play, they do. 
Because if the two best teams don't play in the regular season because they're in opposite divisions, they then have the two best records and they're going to meet. And if they're in the same division, they by rule play. So you never have a scenario where the two best teams don't get to play. You only have a scenario where maybe the two best teams don't get to play on your time frame. They don't get to play in December, indoors, under a conference championship banner. But if you create a world with no divisions, what you're doing is actually playing, potentially, the conference championship game twice. In the in the effort to make sure the actual logo championship game is the best teams, you're repeating yourself. You're repeating yourself on something like Ohio State-Michigan. 2016 Ohio State-Michigan State, excuse me, 2016 Ohio State-Penn State, that's the Big Ten championship game. And then guess what? Ohio State doesn't get to go. They still make the playoff. Penn State-Wisconsin 2016, awesome. As good of a Big Ten championship game as we've seen. Wisconsin, huge lead. Penn State, huge rally. I think arguably everybody won that year. Except Penn State, if you get Ohio State again, you have a chance to play yourself in the playoff, I guess. I'm not sure that conferences actually know what they're seeking here. Because if they're trying to get in the playoff, I don't know that it increases your chances. Because actually, we have not had a ton of upsets of like, hey, this is actually the third or fourth best team in the conference and they beat the best team. That has not happened that much. So now you're going to make the best team play the second best team. You're actually increasing the chances that the best team's going to lose. And if you really want to have your conference have a playoff impact, you want your best team in the playoff. I think you are decreasing the chances of your best team getting in the playoff by demanding it be 1-2. Because you've already determined who the best team is in the regular season. I'm not sure what people are seeking here. Or I think they have a misperception of what they are seeking. So I'd like to get in the room with some of these conference commissioners and try to argue this with them. But I won't. But we will talk about what the breakdown of who Ohio State might play if they dump divisions next on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, Doug Maurice going through uh, some texture survey stuff. So I sent out a poll to the texters. Love the polls. Buckeye Talk. I also just had, on a, uh, was on a quick break. I, I joined Bo Bishop on 97.1 The Fan in Columbus, which I do most Friday mornings. And, uh, man, he, he was joking. We were kind of talking about it. I, I said a lot of the same stuff I just said on this podcast about the a- SEC coaches fighting. And Bo really likes it. He thinks it's fun. And that a lot of um, the history of college football is tied up with cheating and insinuations of cheating and that adds to things you think about the U or Barry Switzer in Oklahoma or SMU, even what's happened at Ohio State. And I just think I just like the football. You know, I like I like the players at the U and the swag of the U. And I like Brian Bosworth and Maurice Claret. And if if there wasn't sort of like the the air of scandal around those guys, like I don't think that is why they're interesting. Right, I think they're interesting because they're great football players that have personality. So we had a sort of a, a disagreement on that. I, I Bo's, I think, as good as it gets in this state in talking about this stuff. And we were saying it was like it's like Midwest. Bo was saying he's been doing Midwest Fine Bomb for the past couple of days, just digging in on this stuff. And man, would I love to do Midwest Fine Bomb! I said, Bo, let's do it, man. Like I, the idea that Paul Feinbaum is this. National college show through the lens of Southern football, through the lens of the SEC. I would love a national college football show through the lens of the Midwest, through the lens of the Big Ten, where you look at everything, but obviously your point of view is affected by where you are and who surrounds you. So maybe someday I'd like, you know, the college football survivor show, what we do there. Uh, And Shahan is from Big 12 country. He's from lives in the Dallas area. That's a great perspective. Texas football lens to see things through. You know, we sort of had that in our head when we started that man. I mean, like we're one one millionth of Paul Feinbaum right now, but I'd love Midwest Feinbaum. So maybe Bo and I or Bo and somebody else someday. Why wouldn't it be in Columbus? Where else is it going to be? Where else are you going to base Midwest Feinbaum? 
We can talk about Big Ten football, national college football through the lens where you appeal to everybody in this footprint, where you appeal to people in Ohio and Illinois and Indiana and Michigan and Pennsylvania, maybe a little Kentucky, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, New Jersey, Maryland. Where else are you going to base that show, man? It's got to be in Columbus. Columbus is the capital of Midwest football. Get a little Notre Dame in there. Got some South Bend listeners. Let's do it. Survey. If the Big Ten dumps divisions and creates a title game between the two teams with the best records, what do you think of that concept in general? Here are the choices. I like no divisions and the two best teams. So get away with divisions and do it the new way. I like the current way. I like divisions and the two division champs. Or I don't care. Either is fine. 56% no divisions, two best teams. Only 17% I like divisions. And then 27% don't care. So that's like three to one. People saying no divisions is better. Interesting. Next, if no divisions opens up the possibility of an Ohio State-Michigan title game the week after the regular season game, what do you think? Choices. I like the possibility of an Ohio State-Michigan game in a title game if it happens every now and then, right? Like as we talked about, it would have happened twice in 11 years. Or I'd take Ohio State-Michigan in a big title game as much as possible. Man, give me that game the last Saturday in November and then give it to me again the next week on the first Saturday in December. Give me two a year every year. They're the two best programs. Why shouldn't they be the two best teams every year? I want the double dip all the time. Or I do not want them to play in the title game. This is the theory of you lessen both by playing two. Two is not always better than one. If you play the regular season game, like if you had done it in 2021, and then you come back the next week and it turns out it didn't really matter who won. Because now we're playing it again, and now who wins the second game is actually what matters. Are you making the rivalry better? So you do not want it. I really don't want it. Here's the breakdown. I like it every now and then. I like the possibility, and I like it every now and then, 56%. I do not want it, 24%. I'll take it as much as possible, 20%. So that's a pretty equal breakdown. About half of the people are like, yeah, I, I, I like it, just not too much. And then a quarter say no, and a quarter say give it all to me. So I would vote... I'll take it every now and then. And that has that is what the history has shown us. And I don't know that that will change that much. Wisconsin's still real. Penn State, I think, is going to get back to being real again. Michigan State under Mel Tucker, I think they're going to be real. I'm trying to think of another team in the West to be nice to. Is someone else going to rise up? Is Wisconsin... Always going to be the best team there, or Northwestern or Minnesota or Iowa or Nebraska going to rise up on a regular basis. Illinois with Brett Bielema might jump in there. I don't know it'll be anyone on a regular basis, but if you say that the five best teams, five best programs in the Big Ten are Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, I think Ohio State, in a scenario where you have the two best teams, I think Ohio State is going to wind up in the Big Ten Championship game, like 80% of the time. But I don't think Michigan's going to be in the Big Ten Championship game like 60% of the time. So if you have two spots, that's 200%, and Ohio State's taken 80 of that 200, the other 120 might be split up, not equally among those other teams, but maybe Michigan takes 40% and Wisconsin takes 35% and Penn State takes 30%. Like, I don't know. I could see a scenario like that. Again, if we go back in the history books, the the two the, there would have been four teams that would have gotten in in the last 11 years who didn't get in. Michigan twice and Ohio State twice. So you are getting the big boys in more. Michigan would have gotten in in 2012 and Michigan would have gotten in in 2018. Ohio State would have been in in 2016 and 2021. So in this new scenario... This is when Ohio State would have been in the Big Ten Championship game if we're trying to go backwards with the new scenario of the top two teams in. They wouldn't have made it in 11 
because it was all screwed up. And in 2012, they were banned. So the, it's just still interesting to me that the first two years the Big Ten ever had a Big Ten championship game, Ohio State was like eliminated before it started. 2013 made it. 2014 made it. 2015, no. 2016 would have made it. 2017 made it. 18 made it. 19 made it. 20 made it. 21 would have made it. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They did make it six of the last nine years. They would have made it eight of the last nine years. That's your reality. So if that's your goal, Ohio State's the best program. Going into the year, they're almost always going to be viewed as the best team. We think most of the time they are one of the two best teams. Maybe they take that one loss that knocks them out of the number one spot. They're, they're probably still number two. But if the number one team's in their division, now they're not making the Big Ten championship game. You will increase the number of times Ohio State's in the Big Ten championship game by getting rid of divisions. You will increase that. We have proof, and that makes sense going forward. It's true in the past. It will be true in the future. If that's a goal, that would happen. More Michigan. Right now, Ohio State stands in the way of everybody in the East. So there's more Michigan. We have proof. Would have had two more Michigan. We don't have proof of two more Penn State or Michigan State, but theoretically, you can imagine how that happens. So you're getting more of the four East powerhouses in. Wisconsin's going to be hurt. Wisconsin's not going to vanish. Northwestern still would have made it once, legitimately. Of the two times they made it. But there is an imbalance in the Big Ten. East and West, it's never going away. The only question is whether you think the imbalance is bad. And again, a world where you have two unequal divisions and the one division, they all play each other. Everybody has an equal shot at winning the East. And if you win it, you're going to be the favorite in the Big Ten championship game against a lesser team. That is not the worst idea in the world to me. So now you're going to create a world where you're just the old East teams. More often than not, you're going to have two teams in there and you have to ask yourself if that's what you want. Because what's also going to matter here is if you have rivals, and I'm not so sure that they need three, just because the ACC is talking about three, I think you could do one. And actually, if you do one, it simplifies things a little bit because we ran through what they would be. I think it sets itself up pretty clearly. Let's go. See, it's just a matter of whether you want to do. I think, I guess, you know what? You probably, they did that land grant fake trophy thing for Michigan State, Penn State. I think you could lean into that. The one issue is you wouldn't be playing Michigan. If you only do one rivalry, you're not playing Michigan State, Michigan every year. That might be the hang up. I don't know if they would tolerate that. I don't know enough about how Michigan State and Michigan fans view that. On Midwest Fine Bomb, I'd I'd have a better feel for that. On Buckeye Talk, I don't. If Michigan, Michigan State could tolerate playing like every other year instead of every year, then I think you go Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Maryland, Rutgers, Purdue, Indiana, Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa, Nebraska. And you're pretty good. I don't think anybody else is complaining other than Michigan, Michigan State. And then everything else you do is a rotation. And it's an equal rotation. One of the things that you do if you get away from divisions, we have this thing where East and West, you can go three, four, five years not playing each other. So what you are trading, if you're Ohio State, now you, uh, again, the, another big one you'd miss, if you only go one rivalry, Ohio State, Michigan State, not every year. Is that an issue? So Ohio State would be trading some Penn State games for some Northwestern, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska games. Is that a trade-off you want? We're playing Penn State less. We're playing Michigan State less. We're playing Minnesota and Illinois more. That's what this trade-off is. It's all going to be equal. Everybody that's not your rival is now on equal footing with how often you play them. So maybe, I don't know if you, maybe, maybe it's not enough to only do one. If you do three, though, I just don't think you can live in a world where you have, hey, we have four powerhouses in the East. The rivalries are, they all play each other. Michigan plays Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State. Ohio State plays Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. Penn State plays Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. Michigan State plays Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. Because now you're lessening the chances of those teams actually then meeting up again in the Big Ten Championship game because they're beating each other up during the year. And now somebody like Wisconsin or Indiana 
or someone who's who's playing Rutgers and Maryland and Northwestern all the time, they're going to get in. You're not going to get the two best teams. You're going to get the teams with the two best records, which isn't the same thing if your rivalry strategy is load up all the best teams with the best teams. And then, by the way, from a gate standpoint, Rutgers is like, who are we playing every year? Rutgers, every year you're playing Maryland, Indiana, and Northwestern. Rutgers, they happy with that? Maybe the four big ones, or maybe the four big boys are all happy beating each other up. But then nobody else gets to play them every year. Everything else is a rotation. Now you're going to have them in the rotation, so you'd play two of those four teams every year. I don't know that that's how it worked out, though. And then from a competitive standpoint, I don't know that that's what Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Michigan State would actually want. So I asked the texters, rank this. If the Big Ten dumps divisions and goes to a scheduling model where every team has three rivals or plays every year and the other 10 opponents rotate, rank in order the teams you would like to see be one of Ohio State's three rivals. And I did say in the text accompanying the survey, think about balance. I, I spelled out this case. Number one, Michigan. There are. It's not unanimous that Michigan is number one here, which I find a little bit odd. If Michigan was unanimous number one, their rating would be 1.00. Every single person, we've had hundreds and hundreds of votes. Every single person would have put Michigan first. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. But it's still a wide edge. Michigan, 1.12. Penn State, second, 2.88. And I get that. I think it is indisputably the second best game, the second best rival. It's cool. We've talked about it. It's kind of like the Halloween game. I love it. Last weekend in November, Michigan. Last weekend in October, Penn State. I think that is a great world for Ohio State to live in. And I would do that. If they do three, I would do that. But then I would make the third Ohio State rival like random team X. Honestly, you're playing the two best teams, the two best programs, the two best rivals Ohio State has. The third rival can stink. It can be an easy W every year. The texter said Michigan State next. 4.41, Wisconsin fourth, 5.59. Then Indiana, Iowa, Purdue, Nebraska, Illinois, Northwestern, Minnesota, Maryland, Rutgers. Nobody wants it to be Rutgers. I actually think Indiana. I had theoretically when I made up these groupings, had made it Maryland. Because I was trying to give Maryland and Rutgers, as the new guys on the East Coast, a rivalry with the big boy. But I actually could see a world where, if it's Ohio State, that maybe the big boys play two of each other. Okay? So here's the world. Ohio State plays Penn State and Michigan every year. Michigan plays Ohio State and Michigan State every year. Michigan State plays Michigan and Penn State, and Penn State plays Ohio State and Michigan State. And then you divide up the other ones, okay? Michigan gets Rutgers as their third rival. Penn State gets Maryland as its third rival. Michigan State gets Northwestern as its third rival. They've had a couple little interesting games. And Ohio State gets Indiana. Ohio State never loses to Indiana, I do think that is a big game for Indiana. We've always talked about like Indiana takes the picture of the full stadium and the drone shot from above. Everybody's in red. It looks like a bunch of Hoosier fans are out there. They're actually two-thirds Ohio State fans. It's an easy drive. The states are next to each other. I actually do kind of like Indiana as the third one, and they're not very good. And there's been a little bit of an Ohio State-Indiana basketball rivalry over the year. So if I'm making these up now again, I do think I'd go Ohio State- Michigan, Penn State, Indiana. And I think it would work out. Then Indiana, Indiana's got their Purdue rivalry. Indiana's got Ohio State. That keeps them happy. And then they can play random Team X. That doesn't matter. Iowa, whatever. And then those teams out West, they're just going to have a little bit easier go of it. But they, you know, Michigan and, excuse me, Wisconsin and Minnesota and Iowa and Nebraska can form a little group there. And they can all play each other. And then you get... Northwestern, I think you can get Northwestern, Illinois, and Purdue. They can play each other. That's two. And then Northwestern gets Michigan State. Um, Indiana gets Ohio State. And then Illinois, we got to find the other one for them. I don't know. They'll find somebody. Sorry, Illinois. But I think it would work out. I, I Maybe it's two instead of three. But I do think you just you have to keep the rivals. 
There's a clear one rival for everybody. There might be two. You could go to three to have this kind of patsy for the big boys and the patsies get a big boy on their schedule for ticket sales. And I just think in the end, are you sure it's what you want? Are you sure you want the two best teams? Because I think you believe to yourself, if we have our two best teams in the championship game, the winner of that championship game is going to the playoff no matter what. But you're increasing the chances of the number one team losing. And is that what you want? Now, in an expanded playoff world, there's a it's a little less urgent because the biggest, best conferences, you're more likely to get your two best teams in anyway. But now if you're expanding to eight or 12 and you feel like your number one and number two teams are going to be in, now you're giving one of those teams a guaranteed loss in the championship game. And you might be not, if your best team wins, they're in anyway. Now number one's beating number two. Now number two's out because they've taken another loss. Now maybe your third best team is in. Or now somebody else from a conference is in. I don't. I think there's a misperception here. And I at times have felt the misperception. I've railed against the imbalance. I actually think it's possible that having your two best teams in the championship game is not the way to go. Have a stronger division, have a weaker division, have the best teams fight it out in the stronger division. Have that stronger division play the weaker division and more often than not win. Because is a better game in the championship game for your conference actually very high on the priority list here? It's all about the playoff and it's all about the regular season. The regular season, the conference championship games are an afterthought for everybody other than Dr. Pepper or Shoals. Right? Who sponsors this stuff? CarMax? Whatever. Random. It's not Coca-Cola. Right? It's the, it's the second tier. Because the big boys, they're sponsoring the playoff games. Dr. Pepper's fine. So that's where I am on that. I do think we will, if you had, if I had to bet, I would say everybody's going to do away with divisions. But I think it might not work out quite as well as everybody thinks. So we are at a time of change in college football. If there's more points about this, I didn't get a chance to grab all the texture stuff. I'm hanging on by my fingernails here with all the stuff I'm trying to do um, solo for now. The plan is Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated, Ohio State grad, Ohio State fan, is going to join us next week to talk about some of the biggest games in Ohio State history and in the last 21 years as we get ready to roll out that bracket for our tech subscribers. A great time to get in now so you can vote for that bracket, 614-350-3315. At the moment, I have a, an interview with some Ohio State leadership plan next week. The results of that interview will be a pod, maybe with some audio clips from them if I'm if I'm okay to do that. We have a Toledo preview next week that is going to be about also Urban Meyer's future, which I think is interesting. And I'll also tell you this, if you're not listening to the College Football Survivor Show, and I hope some of you are, I know some of you are, it'd be great if more of you tried it. College Football Survivor Show, we have a free episode each week and we have a bonus episode only for Apple Podcast subscribers each week. We are doing conference breakdowns. This week, we did the ACC. It was me, Shahan, and then Nate Mink, who covers Syracuse. For us, helped us break down the ACC. We're doing best playoff contender, playoff dark horse, best Heisman contender, Heisman dark horse, game of the year that affects the playoffs the most, team on the rise, the team that could play spoiler in the playoff race. We're doing that for every conference. And next week, we're going to do it for the Big Ten on the College Football Survivor Show. And the plan is to have Adam Rittenberg from ESPN, my old friend, been on the pod before, join us to break down the Big Ten. My plan is to then take that Survivor show and drop it here also in the Buckeye Talk feed. So you guys can get it. But it also might give you a little tease if you haven't listened to the Survivor show about how we do it over there. So maybe, you know, if you want to expand a little bit beyond the uh, the Ohio State discussion, we can go there. So that's the plan. See, I got you covered. We're fine. My daughter has prom this Saturday. She has graduation next Saturday. We have been just inundated in a wonderful, terrific, um, life-changing way with banquets and ceremonies and 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 excellence awards and all kinds of things. Um, for those of you who have gone through that, uh, what a what a wonderful time in life for your children to be ending one stage and preparing. For their next step, there's so much 
sort of emotion about it and the wonderful memories, but the absolute anticipation and excitement for what's next. We are just absolutely knee deep in that right now and in trying to enjoy. We are. We're enjoying like every single minute of that with our oldest daughter who, you know, we're sort of sad to see this end, but she could not be more ready for what's next. So, you know, we've all gone through that. And maybe there's some people here in high school. If you're listening, you're only in high school right now. That's what's ahead for you. Don't wish your life away. Don't wish it to get here too soon. But when it comes, hopefully you're in the right place sort of mentally and emotionally and spiritually and physically for that transition. Transition, man. You get to be my age. There's no transitions. It's just one day after the other, after the other, after the other is exactly the same. It's good. I like my life. But it's pretty much the same. Transitions are wonderful, and we are transitioning right now as a family uh, as we're finishing up this senior year of high school, and my other daughter's finishing up her freshman year of high school, and what a fantastic year she had. And so this was a transition for her to go to high school for the first time. So this has been maybe the most interesting year of my life, other than when your kids are born. Um, But this, all this, like, what is next for them? It just makes you feel alive, right? I mean, it keeps, it doesn't keep me young, but it keeps me alive. It keeps me you know, percolating and it keeps me on edge in the best possible way. So that's what we're knee deep in right now. We're knee deep in podcasts. We're writing as much as we can. There's not as much up. I'll be honest with you at cleveland.com slash OSU as usual, but I'm doing my best to try to keep that flow in there. But as always, you guys know it. You 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 know it. We appreciate you so much. And we uh, really appreciate you guys making Buckeye Talk part of your Ohio State experience. That'll do it for this week. All kinds of great things ahead next week. For now, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.